Money FM 89.3, best of the evening runway. The Washington Report. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is the evening runway time now for our Washington report. Now, it took exactly one year for Sam Bankman-Free to transform from beloved billionaire entrepreneur to convicted felon. Sam Bankman-Free, who, who once ran one of the biggest cryptocurrency exchanges, has been found guilty of fraud and money laundering at the end of a month-long trial in New York. Now, it concludes a stunning fall from grace for the 31-year-old former billionaire. He was once known as the king of crypto. Crypto now faces decades in jail. Cryptocurrency exchange FTX was once valued at 32 billion US dollars, but when it went bankrupt in November last year, 8 billion customer funds were missing. So what are the broader implications moving forward? And really, what does this mean for crypto investors in the United States in the future? On the line with me is Antonio Fatas, Professor of Economics for INSEAD. Professor, good afternoon. How are you? Yeah, doing okay. How are you doing? Very good, sir. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's it's been a while, and I'm sure you've been following this case quite closely. The trial of uh, the former FTX uh, CEO, uh, one month found guilty. Um, what was your reaction as to how it unfolded? Of course, you know, no surprise that he was going to be found guilty. Yeah, I mean, it was no surprise after everything that had come out. Um, I mean, to me, what was more interesting, the sort of the legal implications of the case, which obviously he was found guilty, but, but also the moral and the professional implications, meaning we learn a lot about how this business was run, uh, and we learn about the, the, the lack of any type of ethical standards running this business, but also professional standards. Uh, again, for anyone who understands finance, when you look at the type of Excel spreadsheets where the data was kept and the lack of proper accounting, to me, that's even more shocking than some of the legal implications. Right. So, I mean, the legal implications, to be fair, has been discussed and constant, continues to be discussed uh, ever since the form, formation of cryptocurrency came to light, right? Um, but tell us a little bit more about these moral implications. I mean, ultimately, who are the winners and losers of this case? I think the reality, if one goes back in time, there's been many, many cases of financial fraud. Uh, unfortunately, history is full of cases like this. Sometimes are the established institutions, sometimes are the new ones. I think the reality is when money is involved, yeah. and that's the fact of the financial markets. There is unfortunately the tendency of people to try to cut corners and to do things which are not right. Yeah. Right from an ethical point of view, professional point of view, and legal point of view. Okay. To me, this is just a, a, a perfect case where everything was happening in a way that summarizes centuries of history of sort of financial crisis and financial fraud. Professor, does, does it make you curious as to the, the repercussions and the precedents that this sets? And what I mean by this is, after this is done, he's, he's probably not going to be the last crypto mongol that goes behind bars. Do we start taking a look at everything related to cryptocurrency, uh, business dealings, or dare I say, political donations? I mean, I think we should. Uh, the, the problem that I see is that, I mean, many, myself included, have been saying this for a while. I'm not sure many investors are willing to listen to this. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, investors sometimes feel the need to jump into things that are new, that yeah. are that are sort of the next technology. Uh, and they do not want to hear the fact that some of these new technologies, which are certainly new, have the same issues that the old fraud that we've seen in financial markets. And I'm not sure this 
legal case will send the right message either because we've had messages like this before. Yeah. To me, they were very clear. Uh, I'm not sure everyone is willing to listen to that. Then, okay, if no one's willing to listen, I mean, I, I guess what we're trying to get at is ultimately some kind of regulation really needs to be set. But if no one wants to listen, where do you see this conversation of regulation going? I mean, the, this is probably needed to assure crypto investors or at least some crypto investors. Of course, I mean, when, when investors don't want to listen, I think it's the role for regulation to sort of deal with yes. these things. Yes. I, I also feel regulators have been slow uh, under the assumption that this market was too small, that they, they thought they could not truly understand the implications of some of these technologies. And they thought, let them run. Let, let's see where they go. And once they get big enough, we'll regulate them. I still think they're being too slow. I think the message should be very clear that that is a lot of these businesses are not the type of businesses one wants to see in financial markets because they're not transparent, they're not professional, they're not properly run, yeah. and they're likely to lead to similar frauds in the future. Yeah, definitely something worth thinking about. Uh, Professor, if you don't mind, yesterday, November the 5th, Mark, one year until the U.S. presidential election. So we're exactly 12 months away from the next runoff for the White House. Uh, tell us a little bit about the state of the U.S. economy. Um, and, you know, you wonder after this case whether it affects us. Well, how might... How might we see the 2024 election play out? I mean, to me, this is one of the most difficult uh, sort of elections to, to understand, in particular, the connection between the economy and the elections. Why? Because when I look at the hard numbers, the, the U.S. economy is an incredibly good state. Yeah. Uh, it keeps surprising us. It keeps growing faster than what we thought it would. Inflation keeps coming down. So, again, we see an environment which was very, very difficult to predict a year ago. Okay. At the same time, if you ask people, citizens in the U.S., what do you think about the U.S. economy? They give you this incredibly pessimistic view. Yes. So there is this contrast that, to be honest, we've never seen before in the data between mm-hmm. what the data says and what the perceptions are. And to me, the perceptions are driven more by politics okay. than hardcore numbers. Uh, so it's very hard to read. If you ask me as an economist, I would say the economy is doing great. That should be good news for Biden. But mm-hmm. if I look at the polls, it says, well, if people think the economy is not doing well, that's really bad news for Biden. Yeah, I share your sentiments, Professor. My friends from the United States say the same thing as you. Um, as an economist, how do you see the global economy's impact as far as the conflict in the Middle East is concerned? Could this play a part, you know, looking at the elections uh, going forward? Like any other conflict like this, a military conflict, it really depends how bad it gets. Today we're in a situation that is sort of moving at a certain speed. Markets are not reacting too much. The price of oil did go up, but it hasn't gone up dramatically. So as long as they stay like this from an economic point of view, I don't think it's a big game changer for the world economy. Now, anything that makes the conflict escalate is going to have an effect on oil prices, it's going to have an effect on uncertainty, it's going to have an effect on investment, and for sure we will see a weakening of a world economy, which is not growing too fast. So if you weaken the current state of the world economy, you certainly get to a place which gets too close to growth rates, which are maybe close to zero for advanced economies, slightly more for emerging markets. So again, that would start looking like an economy that we start calling a weak global economy. All right. Thank you so much for your thoughts today. I've been speaking with Antonio Fathas, who is Professor of Economics at NCIAD. Professor, appreciate your time. Take care and have a great Monday evening. Okay, you too. Thank you. 
To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.